0: Hi, everyone. Good evening. <clears throat> Good to see you all here. So um,
1: I'd like to read um, a, a little excerpt from a book by Pema Chodron before we begin uh, tonight's sitting, um, kind of as a way of setting the tone for our um, our sitting together. And then after the reading, um, after the sitting, uh, I'll um, I'll read little parts of it again and then, you know, discuss it for a bit and then open up for discussion. Um, what Pema Chodron talks about in this piece, which comes from her book, The Wisdom of No Escape, um, won't be new to anyone who's been coming to this class on any kind of regular basis. Um, the, the themes are quite consistent with um, ways I've talked about practice um, ever since I've been doing this Tuesday night group. But I love the way that she um, she uh, discusses all of this. I, I love the way the kind of the images she used, the tone of her voice, and um, and her teaching has had a lot of influence on me. And so, um, so I want to devote tonight to to this way of thinking about what we do when we sit. So um, again, this is from Pema Chodron's book, The Wisdom of No Escape. Um, and this excerpt is called "Awakening the Heart."
0: And actually, you know, um, yeah, uh, no, actually, I'll just read. Okay.
1: There's a common misunderstanding among all human beings that the best way to live is to try to avoid pain and just try to get comfortable. You can see this even in insects and animals and birds, all of us are the same. A much more interesting, kind, adventurous and joyful approach to life is to begin to develop our curiosity, not caring whether the object of our inquisitiveness is bitter or sweet to lead a life that goes beyond pettiness and prejudice and always wanting to make sure that everything turns out on our own terms. To lead a more passionate, full and delightful life than that, we must realize that we can endure a lot of pain and pleasure for the sake of finding out who we are and what the world is, how the whole thing just is. If we're committed to comfort at any cost, As soon as we come up against the least edge of pain, we're going to run. We'll never know what's beyond that particular barrier or wall or fearful thing. When people start to meditate or to work with any kind of spiritual discipline, they often think that somehow they're going to improve, which is a sort of subtle aggression against who they really are. It's a bit like saying, if I jog, I'll be a much better person. If I could meditate and calm down, I'd be a better person. Or the scenario may be that they find fault with others. They might say, if it weren't for my husband, I'd have a perfect marriage. If it weren't for my boss, my job would be just great. And if it weren't for my mind, my meditation would be excellent. But loving kindness towards ourselves doesn't mean getting rid of anything. It means that we can still be crazy after all these years. We can still be timid or jealous or full of feelings of unworthiness. The point is not to try to change ourselves. Meditation practice isn't about trying to throw ourselves away. and become something better. It's about befriending who we already are. The ground of practice is you or me or whoever we are right now, just as we are. That's the ground. That's what we study. That's what we come to know with tremendous curiosity and interest. The path of meditation and the path of our lives together has to do with curiosity, inquisitiveness. The ground is ourselves. We're here to study ourselves and to get to know ourselves now, not later. People often say to me, I want to come and have an interview with you. I want to write you a letter. I want to call you on the phone, but I want to wait until it's more together. And I think, well, if you're anything like me, you could wait forever. So come as you are. The magic is being willing to be open to that, being willing to be fully awake to that. One of the main discoveries of meditation is seeing how we continually run away from the present moment, how we avoid being here just as we are. But that's not considered to be a problem. The point is to see it. So I think this is a wonderful way of talking about practice. And um, and remember that, um, you know, this last line, right? One of the main discoveries of meditation is see how we continually run away from the present moment, how we avoid being here just as we are. But that's not a problem that we do that. Of course, we're going to do that. If we didn't do that, why would we be meditating? We wouldn't need to, right? Um, the point is not, to judge ourselves and somehow get over that impulse. is to see it, to see how often we run away from how things are from the present moment. And by doing that, that's the way of becoming present immediately. So let's do some mindfulness practice together and we'll talk a little bit about all this after. So please get into a comfortable position, your back upright. Your front side soft and open. To begin please just take a few deep breaths, breathing in through the nose
0: and exhaling slowly through your slightly open mouth. As you breathe in through the nose, feel your entire body filling up with
1: air. You might find it helpful to visualize your spine as being like a long, thin balloon and your inhalation filling
0: that up, making your whole back lengthen, feeling your head float up towards the ceiling. And after your next exhalation, let your mouth come to a close.
1: Let your breath just come in and out through the nose, and now at whatever speed or depth it naturally wants to,
0: no longer lengthening the breath in any intentional way. Let the breath breathe itself. Quick, slow, deep, shallow, it matters not. Now let's bring our awareness to our chest
1: and just feel the movement of the chest <clears throat> expanding, contracting as we
0: breathe in and out. Feel the sensations in the chest, the ribcage, as you breathe. Whenever thoughts pull you away from the breath, just notice what kind of thought has
1: caught your attention. You might acknowledge that you've been thinking by saying silently to yourself, thinking, gentle kind of
0: acknowledgement. And just gently bring your awareness back to the sensations of the breath. As you continue following the breath, see if you can feel sensations of one entire inhalation
1: and then the next entire exhalation all the way from the beginning to the end.
0: Really get intimate with the sensations of the breath. Notice the subtle changes in how the breath feels moment by moment. As you continue following the breath, it's inevitable
1: and natural that thoughts or sensations or emotions will arise that you don't necessarily like, that you'd rather not feel. Make you want those thoughts or feelings or sensations to go away. Notice that tendency, what it feels like to
0: feel aversion to something that's arising. Just notice it. Let the aversion be there. Let the thought or emotion or
1: sensation that you feel aversion towards also be there. Just let it all be part of your awareness.
0: No need to fight anything. Let whatever arises, arise, just notice it with curiosity and gentleness. Now, as you continue following the breath in this way,
1: let your awareness widen so you can feel the sensations in the body as a whole as you breathe in and out. Not just focused on the sensations in your chest, though they will remain part of your awareness. Just feeling the physical presence
0: of your body as a whole, the sensations throughout the body as you breathe in and out. At different moments, different parts of the body will call to your awareness more powerfully than others.
1: Let your awareness move to wherever it is called. Notice how the body feels, what's going on. And then after you've attended to that for a while, then just come back to the breath, to the feeling of the body as a whole, breathing in and out until some other part of the body may call to your
0: awareness. Let your awareness be light, not narrowly focused, wide enough to hold the body as a whole. Sometimes when you try to use something
1: like the body as a whole as an object of awareness, it's possible for your awareness to become kind of mushy. Maybe it's too much to try to just be aware of the body as a whole. If you ever feel like your awareness is becoming fuzzy, your concentration is becoming mushy, and just bring your awareness back to the breath just follow the sensations in the chest and once you achieved a bit more stability focused
0: and widen it again to try to be aware of the sensations in the body as a whole Remember that we're not trying to shut off the mind. I'm not trying to stop thinking. We're just being aware of what's going on, what each moment feels like, how the body feels, how the breath feels, what's
1: going through the mind. Just noticing moment by moment,
0: the openness and curiosity, just being here, how things are. And while you continue being aware of the breath and the sensations of the body as a whole,
1: please now widen your awareness one further step to include all the sounds in the space around you. So we're feeling the breath, we're feeling the body, but we're also now opening our awareness
0: to be aware of what lies beyond the boundaries of the body. Let your hearing be open to whatever sounds may be available in the space around you, nearby and far away. Can you feel the breath? Can you feel the body? Can you hear the sounds around you? Is there some part of this experience that you are judging, disliking, wishing were different?
1: Just notice how it feels to want things to be different, even small things, wanting to not have a certain sensation or wishing that your awareness felt clearer, different somehow. Notice the tension that accumulates whenever we have expectations
0: or aversion or desire that things be otherwise. And attend to that feeling, the gentleness, curiosity.
1: We'll explore what it feels like to want things to be otherwise. How's it feel in
0: the body? the level of sensation, what kind of thoughts are involved, not as a way of making those feelings go away, but just really welcoming them, gentleness. Okay. That's good, everyone. Thank you. Feel free to move. Make yourself comfortable. For those of you who tuned in uh, a bit late, um, the thing I was reading when you logged
1: on was an excerpt from Pema Chodron's book *The Wisdom of No Escape*.
0: Um, and uh, I think I just—I um, think I'll just read the last two paragraphs again, and then
1: just uh, say a few words, and then I'd love to hear your own thoughts, uh, how it relates to your own practice. And also if you have any questions, um, feel free to ask. But um, actually I'll I'll read the second and, and final paragraph here. When people start to meditate or to work with any kind of spiritual discipline, they often think that somehow they're going to improve, which is a sort of subtle aggression against who they really are. It's a bit like saying, if I jog, I'll be a much better person. If I could meditate and calm down, I'd be a much better person. Or the scenario may be that we find fault with others. We might say, if it weren't for my husband, I'd have a perfect marriage. Or if it weren't for my boss, my job would be just great. So if it weren't for my mind, my meditation would be excellent. The path of meditation And the path of our lives together has to do with curiosity and inquisitiveness. The ground of our practice is ourselves. We're here to study ourselves and get to know ourselves now as we are, not later or as we wish we were. People often say to me, I want to come and have an interview with you. I wanted to write you a letter. I want to call you on the phone. I want to wait until it's more together. And I think, well, if you're anything like me, you could wait forever. So come as you are. The magic is being willing to be open to that, being willing to be fully awake to that. One of the main discoveries of meditation is seeing how we continually run away from the present moment, how we avoid being here just as we are. That's not considered to be a problem, however. The point is just to see that. Um, with next week's email, I'll send out a link to the text of this in case any of you would like to read it and study it later on your own. So um, now I've been so, like I said, anyone who's been coming regularly won't be surprised at what is saying here. I mean, I've been saying basically the same thing in different ways, like every single Tuesday, um, and I think most of the meditation teachers I like are are saying similar things. Um, and I, and at the same time, I think it's really important to say it over and over again. Because I think one of the um, most challenging things about um, really not starting to meditate, but like sticking with meditation and, and, and going um, really deep down the path, is to start to wake up to the kind of mixed motivations that brought us to practice in the first place. Um, and because I think, you know, Emma's not just talking about what she's learned from talking to other people. It's not a mistake that she has in herself made. I think everyone who um, sort of somehow stumbles upon this path of meditation practice at least begins, and I think, for a lot of the way is engaged in the kind of subtle form of self-aggression that she's talking about this impulse to use practice um to to somehow uh become other than who we are you know to, to change who we are because we really don't like who we are there's some part of ourselves that we want to get away from you know um it's the part of us that's anxious, the part of us that's afraid, the part of us that gets upset, the part of us that feels unworthy, um, the part of us, whatever it may be, we each have our own parts, right? Those things within us that uh, in some explicit or sometimes not explicit way, we think meditation will help us overcome, um, you know, that it'll, it'll help us get over, um, maybe even secretly we wish just get rid of you know, certain part of ourselves. And we think that if we meditate well enough and for long enough, those parts will wither away. We'll find a way to finally
0: conquer them, you know. Um, somehow I won't be afraid anymore. I won't get upset, I won't be jealous
1: anymore. But I love that phrase of hers, which she says, you know, um, We can still be crazy after all these years. We can still be timid or jealous or full of feelings of unworthiness. The point is not to try to change ourselves, right? It's about befriending who we already are. I think it sounds so easy, right? It sounds so beautiful. And yet it's so not, (laughs) because it goes against this like Deep impulse, I think so many, maybe everyone. I don't know if I've met a person who doesn't have this, you know, like this idea that somehow, like, you know, we're not good enough. We're not okay. That's why we need to do something like meditate so we can become the person who we need to be to finally be worthy of love, um, love from ourselves or the love of other people. Like I just fix it myself, right, in the right way. Um, Of course, that produces this terrible inner conflict. You know, anytime we try to get rid of some part of ourselves, we're just giving it more energy. You know, we may be stuffing it down well enough so it, like, you know, it feels like we've taken care of it for a while, but it will always pop up because it'll just fester down there somewhere. Um, and it creates this inner split, you know, being the part of the picture of myself as I want to be and the part of me that I don't want to accept. And if meditation is about anything, it's about
0: wholeness, right? It's about uh, finding a way to accept all of the parts of ourselves.
1: And the beautiful thing is once we stop fighting all those different parts of ourselves that we don't want, they lose a lot of the power that they have to create suffering for us. It's, and we realized it was actually precisely the resistance, the aversion we had to those parts of ourselves that gave them so much energy, gave them so much power over ourselves. Um Barry Magid, another Zen teacher who I like a lot and I've spoken about from time to time on Tuesday nights, calls this uh, our secret practice. Like, you know, he said, whenever people say, he asked people, like, so why do you come to practice? And he said, well, I want to become... Um, uh, I want to. I want to be loving, and I want to, um, you know, give myself to others in service. And he's and and Barry says something like, "Yeah, he didn't say this exactly, but it's sort of like BS, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, that's what you're telling yourself. But like, why do you really come?" He said, "Well, actually, I don't. I can't stand being like anxious in the way that I am. Right? I can't stand. I can't stand these parts of myself." Um, and so the secret practice, so the practice is like the nice public part of the pra- practice about the bodhisattva vows, about you know, helping other people, you know being good and all this stuff. But the secret practice, the real reason we practice is because there's parts of myself I don't want to accept. And I think this is going to be the key to getting over that. And so at some point, we need to start to look at that secret practice, the fantas- fantasies that we hold, that we harbor, that somehow we can be the person that we
0: think we should be. Um, and the beautiful thing is actually once we can do that,
1: real healing starts to happen. And then those parts of ourselves that we're
0: trying to get rid of actually have much less power to disturb our lives. Um, they can be there. We can feel the anxiety. We can also feel our aversion to our anxiety
1: and we can see them and by seeing them ever more clearly ever more compassionately they can they just like they can be there without causing the pain that they did which brought us to the practice in the first place so the strange thing is like we come to practice often turn away from parts of ourselves but actually when we can start to reorient our
0: practice as turning toward then We start to get what we wanted.
1: But it's just, it looks very different from what we thought it would be. It's not about being, ooh, so calm
0: all the time. I'm actually making room for the anxiety, for the upsetness, giving it more room, and then not tightening up around it, not fighting it. It took me a long time to come around to
1: accepting this because I had this deeply ingrained feeling like no, practice is really, you know good practice about staying calm all the time, staying grounded. It's uh, never getting upset, never feeling angry, right? Never feeling afraid. And if, if I felt those things, it was a sign that something wasn't right, that something was still wrong with me. I, I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't be this easy to um, it shouldn't be this. Um, I shouldn't feel these things, you know. So, um, and and we then, we think of those feelings, those thoughts, those beliefs as obstacles or practice things we need to overcome. But actually, instead of being obstacles, they are the very path itself. Can we turn to those things that we don't want and see them actually, that's where the path is for each of us. Wherever, Wherever you encounter the thing that you don't want to face, can we begin somehow to see that as the thing
0: that is our path, right? The path for us. That's why it's gonna be different for each of us. We each have our own little
1: shadows our own little things that we don't, right? But I think in a a basic sense, like all of us have this this issue, the parts of ourselves that we don't really. um, And so, and then we we can sometimes mistakenly think, oh, practice is like technique. If I just practice diligently enough, I would be able to focus and concentrate well enough that wouldn't, my mind would never be ruffled, right? But so much of the reason the mind is so turbulent it's because there's so much energy being spent camping down the things that we don't want to see. You know, as soon as we like are not troubled by what comes up, the mind will settle on its own. So um, it's not about getting better at concentration that we can overcome these things, but actually by learning how to accept all these things that arise, that then the mind naturally feels more concentrated, you know, naturally more grounded, more focused. So it's weird. It's like we often have things a little bit backwards. Um, but it makes sense that we do because like Pema's saying, there's almost like this deep, hardwired impulse we all have to want to run away from discomfort, want to run away from things that make us uncomfortable, that don't feel good. And this perspective of practice really like, is asking us, saying like, no, can you, can you see
0: discomfort as something worth looking at? worth opening to right um anyway that's um that's what i have for tonight it's kind of what i've had for like five years
1: but um not 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 many different things to say but they're like different different like stories you can tell about it um So um, I don't know, any thoughts, any stories from your own practice that you'd like to share that have to do with this or any questions about, because I mean, different people in the call have different like months or years of experience with practice. So some of them, some of you are probably nodding, say, of course, yes, yes, this is a good reminder, but yes, nothing new here. But others have told me like, what, wait, this is is not what I thought I was doing. (laughs) So um, anyway, I'm just gonna open the floor and let me again say how nice it is to
0: see you all here. actually, I'll say again, really, I'll say this. One
1: of the reasons why I bring up these kinds of thoughts and reminders often is actually because I myself need them. You know, I've been sitting for many, many years, still over and over again. It's like almost like cycles. I find myself falling again into the trap. Oh, I've been practicing in order to feel a certain way or to like become a certain kind of person or not to feel certain things. And then it's like, oh, and I have to like remember over and over again, wait, no, that's not what it's about. And then I need to remind myself or luckily come across a text that reminds me like Pamet, wait, no, right, I forgot again. So it's like, it's like very deep, this impulse to want to run away from parts of ourselves. And some of us may use meditation, some of us may use dieting, some of us may exercise, some of us may use education. You know, there are many, many different versions of like becoming the person who you think will be changing yourself, improving yourself in some way to make yourself feel better about who you are. But um, so anyway, I just want to say like, this is not some simple, it's simple in some sense, but it's not a thing that, oh, once you get, you just never forget. Let me just
0: say, my experience—I forget it over and over again, and I need to remember it over and over again. So, Jan, is that a hand? Yeah, please. Oh, you're you're muted, Jan. You yeah, knowing
2: all too well, that we are rapidly losing you, Bernie. Uh, I can't imagine. First of all, I'm struggling with a sense of mourning and loss.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Of course, I, I haven't been with this wonderful group too long. I don't know why it took me such a long time to Decide that this is where I wanted to go. But now that I'm here, I can't imagine hearing what you have to say too many times. As you said, it does sound simple. But because we're hardwired to need to run from pain, and sure, why wouldn't we want to do that? You know, it's counterintuitive to sit with uncomfortable feelings and um, wish we were different. And so I think that may be part of the struggle that we have and the joy that I have in having a guide through this almost impossible Mm -hmm. to change part of ourselves so my hat's off to you for what you have done for me in in a short time and sure I'm mourning it's a big loss I don't want to make you feel bad about this I know you have to tend to your your students at Williams Um, but it's it, it is it's a big thing
1: thank you Jan that means a lot to me Oh, that's so sweet. You're welcome. Um, I'm. I mean, yeah. I I don't know that this will be forever. I you know. I just I just didn't. <laughs> I it. It's just. I think. Um. I need some time to like think about how, how to distribute my time and energy. But mm-hmm. I didn't. So I I realized that the email had this like tone of finality. Um, um. And but it's not. I don't know. I mean, I think I didn't, so I didn't want to like say, oh, just be like a short hiatus and mis- like then give the impression that it would actually be just temporary. I don't know. And um, so um, I think th- what you're saying um, means a lot. And I, it, it's, um, having this community is not something I take for granted at all. Yeah. And I mean, I have meant it when I said that. Um, one of the things that I've loved about these evenings is not my, somehow, like, this sense that I have something to give and it's nice to give, but rather, like, what I receive from the community, which is um, because it's so, because it is this kind of, like you said, almost impossible feeling, sometimes hardwired, right, kind of thing that we're working on, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why community is so important, because it it it's not it's not only difficult as individuals, but also our entire culture is actually giving us the opposite message. No, please distract yourself. Please run from discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like let us sell you something that will help you do that, right? Um, and so, or give you media, right? That will um that will pre, you know occupy your mind. So it I think that's why community is is important. Um so anyway, I wouldn't have made this move if I didn't feel like I kind of think I needed it. It's been um, but um this. It's, and I think it's 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 right for this to be a goodbye, but that doesn't mean goodbye forever, you know. So we'll see. Yeah. So um,
2: This is you've been a good mason, and, and by that I mean a builder hmm. of of this community. It's remarkable. Hmm. We don't talk to one another that I know of, except our, our comments. Uh, sometimes a comment will. <clears throat> that's it. One's comment attaches to somebody else's mm. comment, um, mm. but it's a it's it's a true phenomenon. And uh, as I say, I and I highly respect your decision. Um, I understand it, and and.
3: No, uh. <laughs>
1: mm. well, thanks, Jan. Yeah. Ezra, Ezra wrote me an email, when he, he's on the email list, and so he wrote me back and said, we, we should talk about this. I think he might try to talk me out of So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, so, okay, so thank you, Jan, really. Um, hi, Jean.
4: Hi, you're from Phoenix, so it's still light out, but um, I just agree with her. I did, and definitely you have to do what's really wonderful for your life right now, and we all go through that. But. This is coming from, I have to express the peace that I have just for the time that we're together and because of your leadership. We had a, um, a group that I started learning from in North Adams when I lived in Williamstown for, we had it for eight years over at the Eclipse Mill and a few other places with some people who had done um, Zen meditation. And then also a group that I joined out here, Insight Meditation Group in, in Phoenix and in Scottsdale. But it means such a difference when the person who's leading it is also it's so peaceful and calm and when we come out of this it really is the practice is how we're being together and i feel and i just have to say thank you seriously because you know i learned from the others but there's never been one that's this peaceful so thank you so much to you and the group appreciate it
1: thanks jane i appreciate you yeah Sorry, so Bernie, just just to ask a question. I I wasn't I, I haven't received the the email. So so I just want to clarify. So you're you're taking a, a break for? for the oh time. oh yeah, Matthew, you're not on the email list. Um yes. Um I'm stepping out back from leading the group for a while. Um, and I just the way I just feel like a little spread a little bit too thin. Just too many too many different things going on, and so I think for now I'm just gonna like focus on what I'm doing. For students on campus, um, and um, and then I'll see. I just need some time to reflect, and and um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a copy of the email if you shoot me a note. To you know, I'll I'll, I'll so you see how I talk about it. So next week will be the last um, mm. group sitting. Yeah. So sure <laughs> thank you. Um, so. Um, there are the uh the recordings for anyone who uh, like feels like they want a reminder of some stuff they, there's a lot of recordings of older sessions available mm-hmm. and um yeah anyway i know that's not that's not quite what people are talking about it's the community which can't be recreated right and um
4: there's a question Brian.
1: yeah jean you're, you're you just muted yourself back so yeah
4: um, will they still be accessible on the website yeah, yeah. oh okay Great. and I'll, I'll you.
1: Uh, next week with the final reminder email I'll um send it a link so everyone has knows how to access them
4: oh wonderful thank yeah. you
1: yeah so um so oh Amanda hi yeah maybe.
5: hey um I also wanted to just quickly say um you know thank you first and foremost um and I think I've emailed you before saying I've so admired, as a, as a professor, I've so admired your ability to do this while also being a professor, because I don't think I could. So I, I really appreciate all, everything you've done um, mm-hmm. and understand the need to step mm-hmm. back too. Um, I was also, one it seemed like now is a good time to ask a question I've actually been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. I think over the summer, you, you said to folks like, I'd like to meet with you all, try to have a daily practice if you do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of maybe less than meditatively took that as a bit of a challenge to start getting into a daily practice for myself. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: Um, And I was wondering if either via email, I think we're probably out of time for tonight, but um, you could like speak a little bit about how to keep up a practice, particularly if we don't have necessarily like a group or a community Mm -hmm. um, in the process and any advice on, yeah, just that making i'm not sure if habit is the right word but making making it regular yeah awesome to hear more about
1: um i have a quick answer maybe we can talk about a little bit about um this next week um but um i think you know start start realistic start small you know like if um if you know if you say i'm going to start sitting 30 minutes a day if if that's just you know not something if that's like zero to 30 you know and, and um then it's going to be hard maybe to keep it up. I think it'd be great eventually to get to something like 30 minutes a day, you know. Um, but start with just five minutes, you know, um, meditating every day, just following the breath in the way that we do, you know. Um, and um, and uh, and I think that finding a, a regular time in the day to do it is also really key. I would actually recommend first thing when you wake up. Um, because like once the day starts going, you know how it is, it's one thing after another. And but before you know it, it's the end of the day and you're like, oh, I have that. So it's like, um, I always sit right after I get out of bed. Um, it doesn't have to, you could have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or something and then, and then sit, but something before the day really begins for you, I think would be great. And, and just do it for five minutes and maybe after a couple of weeks, add another five, you know, and add five, you know, until you get up to 30 um, and then build it up. Um, and then, and then, you know, after you've done 30 minutes a day for many, many months, you could think of incorporating a second sitting, but one sitting a day I think would be really great. And, um, and I think one thing you should anticipate is resistance is inevitable, natural. Um, one of the, you know, we have many different kind of habitual thought patterns that want to, um, you know, that that like like having their control over us, you know, in a certain way, right? Um, and um, meditation disrupts those thought patterns, you know, it disrupts disrupts those programs, you know, or those scripts. And so, you know, you'll be surprised at like, oh my God, how why is it so hard to meditate once a day? Like, I I, I feel too sleepy. I just don't feel like doing it today. I feel like, oh wait, I got too. Bu- I'm too busy. I have to do that email now. I can't sit right now. Is that the mind will produce all sorts of different kinds of seemingly reasonable excuses not to meditate on a given day. And so, instead of thinking like, oh wait, I'm just lazy or something's wrong with me, it's like actually expect it. Like meditation um, kind of undermines the sovereignty in the way of the ego, right? It kind of like um, the, con- the the inner controller that's like you know, making us worry in all the habitual ways Mm -hmm. that we do it's it's so it's smart. It knows that meditation is going to like undermine its power. And so, of Mm -hmm. course, it will produce ideas and thoughts that will lead you away from any kind of regular practice. So I think like knowing that that kind of resistance is going to happen is actually normal to be expected. It can help um, because it will come at some point. Um, So, um, yeah, anyway. I would say, start really modest and then build up. The, the regularity is much more important than length. You know, better do five minutes a day than like 30 minutes once every few days um, or, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, we, we're a little bit over, but could we sit for maybe 30 seconds, just quietly, silently together, and then we'll say goodnight. It's the thing that I like to do, so, okay. I'll tell y'all when it's over. Okay, everyone. Good night. And I hope to see many of you next week. Thank you for being here.
0: Bernie. Thank you. Bye-bye.